Today's passage comes from Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The prophet Isaiah, who recorded the words of our text, lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. He served the people of Judah during a time when many had forsaken the one true God. Because of this, God would eventually let these people be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And so I want you to imagine during this captivity of all of the evil things and the oppression and uh, as extreme as watching your house destroyed or your church torched or your national parks totally destroyed, um, that's basically what happened to the Israelites in 586 BC. And the thing is, uh, according to what they did against God, uh, the Israelites probably uh, deserved much worse treatment. But I want you to notice uh, in this passage, the verb tense, when God says, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. In other words, he says, I have done it. It's done. It's over. It's finished. But here's the thing. when You have to remember that when these words were uttered, uh, Judah was still in exile and, uh, and Judah was still locked up in Babylon oppression. No one had yet gone back to Jerusalem. There was no uh, rebuilding plan, no rescue plan. There was no blueprint for the future. There wasn't even a clear understanding of who would lead the nation or the people once they return. Nothing had been done, but everything uh, had been done uh, according to God. There were no human plans that had been made during this time, but God's will had already been set in motion. So, um, I've redeemed you and I've called you by name. It's, it's done according to God's word, even though uh, the people of Israel couldn't see it yet. Uh, and verse 2 says um, that even though you go through waters, God will be there. Um, and it's a metaphor for, uh, for our life, some of the, not just waters, but maybe rapids. And um, I mean, if you could use the imagery of whitewater river rafting, which I've gone a handful of times, and... Um, and, I, and a couple of times I've fell out of the boat because the rapids were so strong and it just flew the whole boat. And uh, one time the whole boat uh, went into the water and was uh, ejected out of the boat. And uh, it was it was a rough time. It was a scary time at that moment. Um, as exhilarating as it was, it was uh, just challenging. Uh, there's a lot of exhilaration. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, through that whole time, and and God is saying that's that's life. Even though you going through those types of rapids or waters, uh, I will be there, as we had talked about God Emmanuel, God with us, that He will be there. And in verse four, uh, He talks about that since you are precious and honored in My sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. He's going to exchange things of value for you. And then verse 5, he says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And in verse 6 and 7, 
God says, release my people. And he's gathering all of his people from the ends of the earth who he created for his glory, who he formed and made. Then we jump to verse 11, uh, and the New Living Translation says that, Yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. I predicted your rescue, and then I saved you, and I proclaimed it to the world. There's no foreign gods that have ever done this. Um, You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can do what I have done. In verse 18, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? For I am about to do something new. God loves new stuff. He loves new also. God's all about new. I mean, if you think about all creation, it's all about new birth and new life and new things and new relationships and and so here's here's the deal god sees what's new ahead of us god sees what could be new for us and he wants us to get there because that's god's heart and we need to understand that god is is far more interested in in our future than he is in our past some people you know may think that god is stuck on their past that's all he wants to do is he wants to remind us of all the things that we've done wrong in the past But according to scripture, the reality is God is more interested in your future than he is with your past. I mean, because that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life in the, in the future. He says, forget about your past, forget about the former things. Don't, don't think about it. Look at the new thing that I'm going to do. And, um, when he says in verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. Uh, do you know the setting of these words? These words were originally meant to be words of comfort for people in captivity. And so God's chosen people were going to be overrun by, um, by Babylon and uh, Jews were going to be taken far away from their homeland. And it was easy for them to just reminisce about the old days. I mean, um, and, and God asked them to remember those things. But God says, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God was telling the people that, that while he did some amazing things for them in the past, they haven't seen anything yet. That he was going to rescue them again. That I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God's people were trapped in, in a country that was surrounded by one of the most barren, most deadliest deserts in the world. Even if they escaped from their captors, they would never make it through the desert. But God was going to do the impossible. He was going to set up a highway for them to walk on. In Isaiah 43, 19, God says, For I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God is saying, I see the new. And I know the way to get there. And I'm going to take you there. And that promise to Isaiah is the same promise that God has for us right now. But why would God carry out this this rescue? Uh, surely it wasn't because uh, they learned their lesson and started to honor him again. Um, because God said through Isaiah, you have not uh, bought any fragrant uh, calamus for me or flower or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. God was going to rescue his people only because of his grace, his undeserved love. 
See, because even though Israel was being punished for their sins and rebellion against God, God wanted to give hope and encouragement to his people still. He wanted them to know that even though they were being punished, they were not being forsaken. Even though they were being punished, they were not being forsaken. It's so easy for us to feel like because of the consequences of our sin that we're being forsaken, that God has abandoned us. But God wanted to make sure that they knew that that there was consequences for, for rebelling and turning away from God. Uh, but they were still not going to be forsaken. And that's a theme throughout scriptures. God wanted his people to understand that the, the punishment that they were experiencing would not be the end of them. In fact, God wanted to give them a fresh start in life, a new beginning in life. Israel was uh, no doubt discouraged because maybe they thought that this was the end of them. Maybe they had gone too far, they had sinned and rebelled against God to the point that He would no longer be their God. Maybe they thought God would uh, deliver them again, or or they wouldn't deliver them again. I mean, like it's this is it, this is it's over. Um, that's when they begin to remember the the former things or the past deliverance. Um, Israel could remember past victories, and they could remember that they were trapped by the Red Sea and had nowhere to go, and how God had made a, a way for them. They could remember when the enemy was about to overtake them and how he provided protection for them. They could remember the former things, but they couldn't see the future. right? And and that's exactly where we are. We, we can look back at our our youth and, and just, um, just prior experiences and just live in, in that past. Yet when we're faced with um, challenges and, and trials and difficulties and hardships and sorrow in, in the present, it's hard to see our future. But I think that's why God said, I'm going to do something new. Because he was able to see our future. And maybe that's, that's where you are today. Maybe you feel like you've made so many mistakes or maybe you failed God so many times and you sinned it all away. And maybe God doesn't want to do anything with you. Maybe you feel like you have no future with God. But here's the good news. God is saying, it's not over. I have plans for your life. I'm about to do something new for you. And so God was not condemning them for their past. Uh, even though they, there's nothing they could have done to, to change it. or they can, There's nothing now that they could do to change that, the past. Instead, God was holding out a hand of hope. He's in effect saying, forget about your past. I'm giving you an opportunity to start over. We are surrounded on every side by trouble and tragedy, misfortune, heartache, discouragement, loss, destruction, decay, ruin, devastation, and in desert. Um, and he's saying that to the people of Israel. And he's saying that to us also. For some of us, that desert is a is a person or a group of people who are just um, just challenging. Uh, they maybe they the lives that they lived are are ruined or, or wrecked by some sort of past sin, and um, maybe their hearts are void of any kindness. Maybe they're they're. Uh, they've destroyed their bodies and, and now it's ill and so we've kind of written them off. 
Maybe for others, your desert is, is a sickness or, or a disease that's devastated your body and left you unable to function as you used to. And so you've written yourself off as maybe hopeless. For others, your desert is maybe a desert of uh, depleted finances and resources. And there doesn't seem to be anything uh, which you can turn to relief or help. And so all you visualize is just uh, stress and anxiety and future of pain and suffering. And so you've um, just consigned yourself to, to, a, to a poverty for the rest of your natural life. And for others, your desert is, is maybe a, a devastating, destroyed relationship where there just seems to be no hope of recovery. <clears throat> maybe there's just uh, no thrill and and uh, you've decided to put up with this hopeless situation and just, just bear it. Um, and you just can't see any changes in your future. And so maybe you're thinking that God would, would punish us. But instead, instead, God is telling us today that He is doing a new thing. For 2021, He's doing a new thing. For 2022, He's doing a new thing. For 2023, He's doing a new thing. Instead of sending us... Um, away he gives us eternal life and instead of letting israel just um, decay and rot in a, in captivity he leads them back to the promised land why is god doing this new thing it doesn't seem to make sense until you see verse 25 and he says i even i am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more God was going to do all of these things for Israel for his own sake. Not necessarily for us, but for his own sake. Because he's such a gracious God that he would forgive them and bring them to the promised land. He's doing it for him. He wants us to experience that promised land. He's doing it for him because that's who he is. And the overall powerful picture here is this picture of forgiveness to blot out your transgressions a few years ago uh, there's something uh, that happened on the east coast it was the biggest snowstorm they had ever had and they've had snowstorms before but this snowstorm was a, 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 a new thing never had it in maryland virginia they've never had so much snow fallen in a 24-hour period of time and uh, someone who lived was interviewed and said well he um, he actually liked the snow because and, and he says this, he said, it covers everything up. The snow covers everything up. It covers all the dirty streets and sidewalks, all the brown grass, all the dirty cars. They all disappear. And the snow makes everything beautiful. And that's sort of what God does with our sin. Not sort of, he does. He covers it up. All that dirt in your life, all that sin, God blots it out. It's covered. Not by snow, but by something very different. Uh, and that thing, that different thing is the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he's covering our sins, blotting out our transgressions. And because of Jesus, our life is beautiful like that snow in the eyes of God, for your sins are forgiven. Someday when we stand before God, we won't have to worry that God's going to remind us of our sins. God's not going to say, hey, remember when you did this? Right, because of the uh, blood of Jesus that, that God remembers our sins no more. 
And so now we have a new walk, we have a new talk, because the former things have passed away. What you were, you are no more. Now that our old self was crucified with Jesus, that, that the body of sin, the work of sin may be done away with, and that we no longer uh, need to be slaves to sin. And so God, who began a good work in us, is going to be faithful to complete it. And now we can have the victory through Jesus Christ. We also have to know that there's an adversary. There's a devil that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And the, the devil was, is, will remind us of our past in order to keep us from enjoying the life that God gave us to live. Because the enemy doesn't want us to have that fresh start in life. But the good news is, God says, I want you to have a fresh start in life. I want you to have a new beginning. I want you to do something new in your life. And it's exciting to know that God desires to give us a fresh start. I mean, how many of us could use a fresh start? What I, I, I need a fresh start. And I, I'm hoping all of you could use a fresh start in Christ. During an unpredictable year, where we have no idea how long this pandemic is going to last, if it will ever end, uh, in a season where the future is unclear, in the midst of the unknown, we still hold on to Jesus, who is our security, our lifeline, and our everlasting hope. And in the chaos, our God is, is constant. In the chaos, our God is never changing. In the chaos, His love still reaches us. We may have presidents and leaders change over time, but God is always sovereign over all. We may doubt in the darkness, but His victory is certain and He will prevail for Christ has overcome and triumphed over the worst possibilities, which is death. And in Jesus, we will always be His beloved. And so the good news or the message for today is that, that He has redeemed us. God is willing to give us a fresh start. So as we go into this new year, let's hold on to the, to the idea and the understanding that God is giving us a fresh start, that He's doing a new thing, that He wants us to forget the past and the former things and look to God's future because He knows the future and He wants to bless you. May you be blessed in this new season, in this new year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that you can see above us, you can see before us. Lord, as much as we want to look behind us, God, help us to discard um, the past. Thank you for giving us a new chance, a new life. Father, we pray that um, uh, as flawed as we are, God, we pray, God, that you would just help us, lead us and guide us so that we would be with you even more this year, that we would become more like you and transformed into your image, that we would also do the things that you did. Help us to be your apprentices this year. We thank you for your word and the gift of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.